All right, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. Let's bow as we open the word. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to lift your word and see how you impact lives as you go forward and how lives will be changed. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came and said unto her, Hail thou, art glad that, Hail thou art, that are fa highly favored, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she heard him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this was. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for you have been found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the house of his father, the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his other's kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Spirit shall come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore also that holy thing that shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. And behold, your cousin Elizabeth, which hath, she has also conceived a son in her old age, and is this in and this is the sixth month of her, of whom was called barren. For the God, nothing is impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, behold, be it as unto me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now this is a story, of course, of Mary being told that she's going to have a child. And, you know, it's just something that I just want to point out. This is going to change Mary's life drastically. All right? Uh, she is going to have a child before she is officially married. She is engaged to Joseph, and in that day and age, it was, it was a bad thing to be having a child outside of marriage. I mean, the stigma is pretty much off of it in our day and age. There's still a little stigma on it, but it's not like it used to be. Uh, most people in this room probably do remember when it was a bad thing to have a child out of wedlock. If, you got, if a woman got pregnant in high school or whatever, she was shipped off someplace to have her baby before she started showing, and then she was brought back. Uh, and in Israel, it's no less a, a big deal. This is, this is something and this is, that is going to change her life. She is going to lose reputation. And part of what I want to bring out to us is sometimes God asks us to do things that will hurt our reputation you know and if you haven't had it happen it probably will happen at some point in your life that God will say I want you to do something maybe not as drastic as what Mary's being done it could be just I'm going to take a stand for God in a, in a family I'm going to take a stand for God in business and people are going to think that I'm very strange because I don't participate in what they do and it hurts your reputation but in this story we see the very first thing is that her messenger that brought her this message is Gabriel. Now Gabriel is one of three angels that we know the name of. All right? Gabriel is used to give messages. He's going to give the message to Mary. He gave, he gave the message to Zacharias in the temple 
six months earlier, remember the story of Zacharias, we're going to have John, and he says, I am, you know, when Zacharias says, well, who, who are you, and how am I going to prove that this, and Gabriel's answer was, I am the one that stands before the throne of God, you're not going to speak until this child's born. So he had nine months of not being able to speak. Uh, the other references to Gabriel come in two places in Daniel, where Daniel gets to see Gabriel. And one time he says, you know, the, the prince of the, of the uh, Persia tried to keep me from getting to you, and it said Michael had to come. And Michael's the other angel that we know anything about, and he is the archangel. He is apparently number two angel. When, everything, when they need help, they call for Michael. Uh, and the other angel that we know of is Lucifer, the fallen angel, who took one-third of the, of the angelic forces with him. And he was archangel. He was over everything. And when he fell, Michael basically has taken his place. So this messenger to Mary is a pretty powerful angel. This is one that says, I stand before God's throne. And I give his special messages. And his message to her was, you're going to have a child. Now think about this. You're, you're a spouse. You're going to be married. And the marriage in Israel is a, was a, a, an event that happened. You got engaged. And in one sense, they considered you married. It was not like you could just break the engagement. You actually had to divorce the individual to break their marriage. But you got engaged, and the man was to go out. He was to build your, your house, your room uh, you know, uh, on his parents' property, get his job going, be able to support you. And then one night he would come, or one day he'd come, and basically kidnap the bride and take her back to the new home. And they would have a celebration for seven days, and then they would consummate their marriage and they were officially married at that point right now Mary and Joseph are in that somewhere in that period of time that says you're not married yet <laughs> okay you're married but you're not and the angel comes and says okay you're gonna have a child this is a big deal everything about this is a big deal to to Mary and Mary's going you know huh you know, I understand, I don't understand everything about biology, she basically says, but uh, uh, I know that it takes the man involved, and I haven't known a man, so I can't have a child. And so she knows enough to know that this is a miracle. And the angel said, God's spirit has overshadowed you. Now, can you imagine Mary having to go to mom and dad <laughs> and tell her, you know, uh, by the way, my, uh, Gabriel came along and told me I'm going to have a baby. It's going to be the son of God. I'm sure mom and dad believed her. <laughs> uh, Joseph didn't believe her. In Matthew 1, it says that he found out that she was pregnant and it wasn't his child, and he wanted to divorce her quietly because theoretically, if it's not his child and they're not married, actually, they could both be killed anyway, but you know, it's not his child, she could be killed for, for being out of wedlock. This is a big deal, and this is going to change her life going on. In uh, John 8, where the Pharisees were talking to Jesus, and they go, well, we aren't children of fornication. Okay, the reputation of Jesus' birth was still going on at that point in time. Yeah, we know, we know Joseph has adopted you, but uh, we don't know who your father is. You know, this is the reputation that's gone with him for his whole life. Because everybody knows, humanly speaking, there's no such thing as a virgin birth. And so I can picture yeah, yeah, Mary going to mom and dad. You know, mom and dad, I'm going to have a baby. It's God's. 
really went over well. Uh, Joseph, it's, it's God's child. And it took an angel to go tell jo, uh, jo, uh, Joseph that it's God's child. You know, but this is a big deal. She's going to pick up a reputation of being a loose woman. Although Nazareth, the people aren't going to trust her. You know, uh, we, don't know who, we don't know who she was sleeping around with. Probably Joseph because they were engaged, but we really don't know who she was sleeping around with, so guard your, guard your man <laughs> type deal. Uh, you know, and this is what she's going to have. And we know that even 33 years later, people, are, the report is, you know, we don't know who his father is. We think it's Joseph, but, you know, they, he was born outside of, of wedlock. He doesn't deserve to be in the sanctuary. He doesn't deserve to be in the temple. He doesn't deserve to be a teacher. This was the reputation that went to Jesus. And it would have been applied to Mary. And if it's following Jesus 33 later, years later, you know it's being on Mary that whole time. Her life was turned upside down by saying yes to God. How many times have you had your life turned upside down, at least seemingly? You know, you know we, we go through and we go, God, I'm going to do what you say, but I just don't understand it. It's going to ruin reputation. People aren't going to like it. And God says, but I want you to do this. Now, in the long run, we usually when, it, when our world's turned upside down for God, it turns out to be a great thing. In, even in this world, but it's going to be a great thing in heaven at the very end. But we need to be ready just to say, God, I'm going to step out for you. I'm going to do what you have asked me to do because you've asked it. We were talking about these, these various missionaries have gone out in the past. You know, some of these guys came from some good homes. Uh, we, we just added the book about Albert Schweitzer in here, and you know, I, was, I was just reading the prologue, and, and the man was so brilliant, he would have been successful at anything that he wanted to do, and yet he felt called to be a doctor in Africa. You know, what, a, what a calling. You know, this was a man, literally, that they were saying was so brilliant, he would have been the superstar at anything he chose to do. And yet God said, okay, no, I don't want you to have earthly fame. I'm going to take you and put you in to service for me. When God calls us, we need to be ready to serve him, whatever that might mean. Whatever that might mean. Giving up this world's fame, giving up this world's reputation. Mary gave up everything about her reputation for her life. Joseph is going to give up that same type of reputation because by agreeing to marry, continue marrying, uh, Mary, he's kind of basically saying, this is my child. You know, we, you know, he never said that, but, you know, to the world, he's saying, this is my child. Otherwise, I wouldn't have married her, you know, so, you know, and so in one sense, he's taken on a bad reputation himself. And, and you know, in, in Matthew, it's a really interesting story about, about Joseph. And I just want to read the last word. And now this was done that it might be fulfilled in verse 22 that was spoken by the Lord, by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and will bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, that which being interpreted is God with us. And Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and he knew her not till, till she had brought forth the firstborn son, and they named, called his name Jesus. Joseph went on, and he married Mary. <laughs> Made, it, made her his wife. But this one little sentence at the very end of Matthew is very important. He knew her not until after Jesus was born. Because we have different, 
different denomination in, in Christianity that says Mary was a virgin for her entire life. That is not a true statement. And the Bible says it very clearly. She was not a virgin for her entire life. When we had this statement that Jesus' brothers and sisters came to get him because they thought he was crazy, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people will tell you, well, those were his, his stepbrothers and sisters. No, I think they were his half-brother and sister. They were born of Mary and Joseph. And because Joseph and Mary had normal marital relationships afterward. But their life was turned upside down. We need to be ready. When God wants to turn our life upside down, we need to be ready to say, yes, Lord. Now, now Turning your life upside down is pretty easy. You can mess up really bad with sin and turn your life upside down. That is not the same thing I'm talking about. Okay, I'm talking about having God take you and turn your life upside down because you've been, been doing good. Mary has been told you are found favor with God. How did she find favor? Mostly by grace, but she had to have had something you know, about her relationship between her and God that God says, here, here's the perfect, perfect little girl. And most people believe that Mary was no more than 14 years old when she gave birth to Jesus, which wasn't uncommon in that day. We, we look at it and say, that's too young to have a child, but it was not uncommon for, for, you know, for a girl to be married by 12, 13 years old. As a matter of fact, if you made it to 14 or 15, 16 without being married, you were an old maid back in those days. Uh, but, you know, she was a very young girl that was following God. You know, and I think about this, you know, in our day and age, we kind of think, the, well, these people can have, really do anything they want until they're about 19, 20 years old because they're still a child. That's not a biblical position. God says these people are held accountable at an early age. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they went into Babylon, were only about 12 or 13 years old, and they stood for God. In very strong ways, they had been taught, they had been trained, and they stood for God and said, "You know, hey, uh, eunuch, we can't eat the king's food. It's been offered to idols. It's 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 pork, it's shrimp, it's lobster. It's really good, nice-looking food, but we can't eat it." And they asked for permission to eat boiled vegetables <laughs> and water, and said, "You know, God will bless us. We'll look better than these other guys." We see Joseph going into slavery. At 17 years old, now he was pretty old for somebody at that point, but he serves God in a very strong way. And in our day, we kind of look at these young people and go, well, they're just kids. They can do whatever they want, you know, God, God will forgive them. There's consequences to sin even for somebody in their teens. There's consequences for sin that's faithful under 10 years old. There's always consequence for sin. And God is saying, I expect these people to live godly. Mary, very young girl. Joseph, Daniel, so many. Jeremiah was called to be a prophet as a young, young man. You know, we look at Samuel. Samuel was called, you know, he's so young he doesn't, you know, he's probably not even 10 or 11 when he's first called by God. You know, we need to make this decision. God, I want to serve you. And then watch what God does. You know, Jeremiah's life was so funny. If you remember Jeremiah, Every time he opened his mouth, he got thrown into prison. If he wasn't thrown into a cistern or a pit. You know, he he uh, spoke for God. At one point he said, God, I'm not going to speak for you anymore. I am tired of going to prison. I'm tired of being th thrown into pits. And then his next verse says, the word of God burned in my mouth and I could not help but speak. A young man. 
a young man that we would say, wow, this guy's so amazing. He's, stand, he's standing up for God. God expects us to stand for him. Now, if you get saved later in life, praise God, start standing for him at that point. But, you know, we need to be training our children. We need to be training our grandchildren, our nieces, nephews, to stand for God. It's very important because God has a place, and he calls so many people at a very young age to stand for him. And, you know, it's, sometimes we look at this and we have to know from history how old these people were. But God has a call. Now, don't get sad if you're older. God has a call for older people, too. Moses wasn't called until he was 80. Uh, you know, he, he got called pretty late in life, and he got to serve God for 40 years. The Apostle Paul is somewhere in his mid-30s to 40s when he's called. So don't, don't despair. If you're older, you can still be called for God to have your life turned upside down, just as those two guys had their lives turned upside down. But, you know, God wants us to commit early to him. And this is so important, to turn to God and make him Lord. I've been thinking a lot about this idea of making him Lord. You know, so many people, especially in America, say they're a Christian. And I'm not going to deny necessarily that they are or they aren't. That's between them and God. But you look at their life. They don't read their Bible. They come to church when they feel like it. They're not witnessing. They're not, they're not sharing God. He is not Lord and Master in their life. And you start wondering, do they have this relationship with God? Do they have something that is strong that can keep them? They will turn their life upside down when through obedience. And, you know, it's not for us to judge, but you know, we look at this and say, what's going on with this person? Are they following God? That doesn't mean everybody's going to be doing great things for God. No, no, you're not going to go out and be well-known as a missionary. As a matter of fact, most missionaries are never heard of outside of the places where they mission. Most pastors are never heard of outside of the church that they pastor in. Now, there's some that get to be superstars, and everybody knows them. You, you get them on the radio all the time, and everybody knows who they are. But those are far and few behind when, or, uh, around when you consider the thousands of people out there preaching the gospel to little churches like ours. <laughs> you know, and that's where they're known. You know, and this happens all over the place. Missionaries that go out and they serve God and are never known outside of the place where they mi minister. And then you get those handful of ones that we get the books about telling us about how great they are and all the, all the things they did. And those books could be written about every single missionary that's out there probably because of the miracles that have gone on in their life. We need to be ready. God, what is it you want me to do? Listening to God and saying, God, I want to hear your voice. It takes practice to hear God's voice. You know, one of the things I'd love for us to be able to do is start being able to say, this is what God has said to me. You know, I get to share with you what God says all the time, but you know, I'd love to hear back from people, this is what God has shown me as I was reading. This is what God did this week you know, I, when I was sharing the gospel or just talking to somebody. We need that to be spread amongst each other so that we see God at work. The little movie for Lottie Moon, you know, I love that. You know, this church is sending their people out in the summer to go all over the mission, the world, being missionaries and helping missionaries and then bringing them back, back to the church. Yeah. I don't know that we'll ever do anything like that from this church, but maybe we could. Who knows? God, who knows what God has in place? But, you know, it's much great need that the world hears the gospel. God gave every single Christian a command to go 
and preach the gospel. Go and share the gospel. Be witnesses. You know, how can you be a witness? Pretty simple. If you see an accident, you're a witness. You're a witness to the police. You can be a witness in court. You just tell what happened and what you saw. If you are a Christian, you have a testimony to give. I was doing this. God came into my life, and this is who I am now. And then as you go forward from there, it's like, wow, God, let me share about all of what you've been doing. And I hope for each one of you, you've had these experiences where you know that it's God that's done something in your life. That time when you just shared something with somebody and you didn't really feel comfortable with it, but you just shared the gospel with them. And you don't know what happened with that person. Maybe you just told them what happened to you. And I love this idea. It doesn't take long to tell people what happened to you. I was 12 years old when I got saved. I kept, I'd been going to church for a long time before that. I'd to, who knows what churches I went to at that time because nobody else in my family went to church and I just would go to whatever church I could get to or be invited to. But at 12 years old, I got saved. And God changed me and got me into his word and changed who I was. And slowly, it's taken him a long time, but he slowly changed even more of me over the years. What is your testimony? What has God done for you? When did he come into your life and change who you are? Are you ready to stand up and say, God, I can share this with people? It's important for us. Mary's life's turned upside down, and she's going to be following along all this time. And I don't think she really realized how much her life was going to be changed when she said, yes, I'll, you know, okay, I'm, you're going to, I'm going to get pregnant by God. And, you know, she probably was kind of worried about her reputation at that point in time. And it probably wasn't a big deal until Jesus started ministering and then people started hating him in that last year. And then she got to see him put on a cross. Can you imagine the pain in Mary's heart seeing her son put on a cross to die for the world? And she was so bold. I mean, she's one of the few people that stayed at the foot of the cross you know, the mother's heart was very deep in her. So I'm going to stay right here. I don't care what they do to me because my son is on that cross. And then, got, then she got to see her son raised from the dead and really start to understand he is something special. <laughs> you know, I've always known he was special. He was God's son, but now I know there's something special here. We need to prepare our hearts to listen to God. We need to prepare our spirit to be obedient to God. Because when it comes, it's sometimes not easy to be obedient. When God whispers in your ear and says, I want you to do this, and you're going, God, I'm too busy. I can't do this. Most of us in this world get so busy, we don't have time for God. In my 20s, 30s, uh, I've shared with you, I, I had my life so scheduled, I could tell you what I was going to do probably six, seven, eight months down the road because I, I worked my schedule. God had to work hard at breaking me from that schedule, saying, okay, you can have your schedule, but I'm going to fit in here when I want to be in here. Because there are many times I said no to God because my schedule said I had to be someplace else. God has broken me quite a bit of that, and now I'm more likely to say, okay, God, <laughs> let's see what's going on. And I know I'm not the only person that gets that way. God, I got to do this. 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 And God steps in. Sometimes he steps in very dramatically, as he did with Paul the Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus, riding to Damascus to go arrest Christians. And God struck him blind and knocked him off his horse and said, okay, you know, I got a job for you. 
Now, he could have said, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to get back on my horse and go arrest these Christians. Uh, nobody in their right mind would have, of course. You know, you got knocked off your horse. You got talked to by God directly. You know, most of us never get talked to by God directly in an audible voice. But God can do what it takes. If he really wants you to do something, he'll do what it takes to get hold of you. He may just get, make your life miserable until you're ready to obey him. I've been through that myself. You know, and some of you probably have been through that as well. You know, just a miserable time fighting God, and you finally give in and see what God has in store for you. God has good planned for us. All things work together for good for those who are called according to the purpose of God. He's got a plan. That plan is to help reach the lost world. It really is. Ultimately, that's the plan, to reach the lost world. And each one of us have a couple of people that we may be the only Christian that they're ever going to see. And God says, share your testimony. Tell them about what I have done. If you don't have a testimony, you need to really look at God and say, God, are you really part of my life? Is there something in my life that there is, that's worth sharing? The greatest thing about this is even if you don't think there, there is, there is something. If you're God's child, there's something in your life that's worth sharing. You know, it may be you got saved when you were little, really little and you haven't had any real problems. You can say, God kept me from a lot of the problems of life. Yeah. It took me a long time to realize that that was a great testimony to people. You know, you know, that, okay, you haven't had all the problems. So you, know, you, don't, you don't really realize how good a position you were in. Maybe you have a dramatic past. You know, you, you're you know, a terrible gang member or whatever, you know, and you have this saying, God changed me. Every one of us, if, if we're in God's family, have been changed. Have been changed. The flesh has been crucified. We're clothed in Jesus Christ, and we can make the right decisions. All we have to do is surrender. Now, and I keep getting asked by so many people, well, how do you surrender? Well, you do it. <laughs> you know, it really is. You know, my testimony to people is, once you learn to surrender to God, you realize how easy it is, and you start kicking yourself for not having surrendered to God. You know, and the example is, if, you know, I've showed people, we're in this building. If the police were outside and said, come out with your hands up, we have a choice. We can go out with our hands up and surrender, or we can stay in here and say, come and get us. You know, too many times we tell God, come and get us. You know, just come and get us, God. I'm not surrendering. God will always win. <laughs> he has the capacity to win. Saul is knocked off his sword, blinded, and said, okay, you know, Saul, are you going to follow me? Jonah says, no, I'm not going to preach to Nineveh. I'm going, I'm going to Spain. And God takes him back in the fish. He says, okay, are you ready to follow me? God is going to win our battle with him. One way or the other, he's going to win. And if you really want to keep fighting, you get to go home. Now, that may not be a great thing, but you lose all the rewards that you should have gotten by being obedient. But you know, we look at this and say, God, teach me to be soft and submitted to you. Teach me to step forward and follow you. And this is my prayer for us as a church, is that we learn to just say, God, use me. I can't imagine what would happen if even half this church started really being used by God. Open their mouth to testify. What changes would happen in chloride? What changes would happen in Mojave County? I have no idea, but God uses people. 
I believe it was D.L. Moody who says that the world has not seen what a man totally committed to God would do. You know, we need to keep this in mind that we need to be committed to God. Totally committed to whatever he says. However crazy it might seem. One of my favorite stories about George Mueller was when he stands up and he's praying for breakfast for the kids when there is no breakfast to be thanking them for. You know, because he knew that God was going to provide for these kids and he starts praying, thank you for, these, for the food these kids are about to have and there's no food in the kitchen. And all of a sudden there's a knock on the door and there's two people bringing food for the kids. How many of us would have been able to be that bold in our statement? God, thank you for what you're getting ready to do when there's nothing there to be given. We need to be looking and saying, God, what is it you want me to do? How am I going to stand up for you? How am I going to work for you? And then listen. Be ready to hear the still, small voice of God. Because, you know, normally he does not scream at us. It's a very small voice saying, this is the way, walk you in it. Now, if he needs us bad enough, he'll do a Paul, Apostle Paul and, and yell in our ear. But, you know, Paul had consequences to be in that way as well. There was a lot of hard life that he went through. Most of us don't want to live the life that Paul lived. You know, shipwrecked on three different occasions, uh, beaten with 39 stripes on four or five occasions, basically tarred and feathered and chased out of town everywhere he went. Now, if you want, if you want God to call you very loudly, the consequences are... With that loud call comes a very hard life. Learn to listen to that still, small voice and respond to the still, small voice. Because then it's like, okay, God, <laughs> yeah, I hear you. <laughs> you know, my life may still be turned upside down, but it won't be that hard life because he says, hey, I had to work hard to catch you. You're going to have to work hard to keep following because you know in a loud voice. All right, let's close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity we have to come. Lord, we just pray that you will turn lives upside down in this church as, they go f as we all go forward to serve you. And we speak for you and we honor you in all that you do. And we, Lord, we just thank you for that. And we, we ask that right now people will be ready to make this commitment to serve you in a strong and powerful way. And that you will guide and lead us and we will listen to the still small voice of, of you leading. In Jesus' name, amen.